0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sophie Scott.
1: And I'm James Gill.
0: Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone.
1: We'll be chatting with our favorite
0: people, sharing uplifting news stories, and
1: delivering tips and tricks
0: to bring balance to your lives.
1: Hello, welcome to The Balance Podcast. This is, I, I, I must say this every week, this feels like a very special one. Uh, Chris Akabusi takes us through a remarkable life. This is someone who was abandoned as a, an infant. Uh, his parents went back to Nigeria. Him and his younger brother were left to basically fend for themselves. They end up in care homes, in foster care. His life, Chris's life could have gone very differently. At 16, he joins the army. He's spotted by Sergeant Ian McKenzie. Uh, I know a lot about Chris because he's my hero. Uh, I love this man. And I I had a feeling that this would be a special chat. Thanks to Chris, purely thanks to Chris. This goes up a few levels. um, Spotted by a sergeant major who told him, and I quote, we've got a flyer. Just those, we've got a flyer. Those four words effectively changed his life. Made him realize that he had a talent as a runner. He then ends up running for Great Britain. <laughs> it's, it's astonishing. Um, and then towards the end of the chat, Chris takes us through that iconic moment. In my opinion, it's the greatest history. It's the greatest. It's the greatest moment in British sport, in my opinion. In my opinion, just because I love, I remember that event so vividly, and I just think it's it's perfect. Sporting drama, the 1991 4x400 men's relay race final. That is almost exactly how David Coleman says it as well at the start. Um, And then also what he's up to now. So at the start of the chat, Chris Akabusi at the age of 60 is currently studying existentialism and psychotherapy. Um, There's so much life advice. Um, Given what Chris went through from being abandoned as a child... Some people would think that they they've been incredibly unlucky. Not Chris, he's, he, he thinks he's been incredibly lucky. Um, I love this man, and I know you will too. Uh, I present, so I've got very overdramatic here, but um, I'm trying to record this one soon after the interview. So uh, em- emotions were were pretty high. Chris Akabusi, a beautiful mind. That, that is what, how I would describe this. I, I love this man with all of my heart. Um, younger listeners may not remember him as a sprinter so you'll get a lot out of this if you're my age, uh, I'm 40 you will remember him as a uh, a one of a kind anyway, Chris Akabusi before we get to Chris, our good news story this week if you're struggling with stress I know a lot of our readers are it's something that we've covered a lot in the mag um, then it has been proven that visiting a park or a green space can be good for lowering stress levels it doesn't have to be a long time 20 to 30 minutes this is from the school for environments and sustainability at the university of michigan um yes it could be a field but it could be as simple as uh sitting by a tree it can lower stress mortality rate and feelings of depression so a lot of us i know that if you live in london you might not think there are parks honestly get on google maps and there are more than you realise I live in Beckenham, South London. It's ridiculous. It's, it's suburban, yet there are five parks each within walking distance. So before you write it off and dismiss it uh, and think there's no way you can live near greenery, you probably do. Uh, and it it, it it will enhance your life just 20 to 30 minutes a day. Uh, anyway, something that something else that will definitely reduce stress levels is listening. To Chris Akabusi. Right then, this is uh, on a on a personal level. This is a, a huge day for me because I'm face to face with, the word hero is overused, but a- absolutely not in in this instance. Here with the, the iconic Chris Akabusi, a man who probably doesn't realise how much he means to so many people, which was how we started the day actually. Because Chris is Chris, he probably can't get a, a grasp of being Chris if that makes yeah. sense, you know. Um, so to kick off with. Please may I ask, what's the course you've been working on at the moment?
2: Oh, I'm loving the course. I'm still on it. I mean, I only midway through it. So, I'm doing an existential um, psychotherapy coaching and counseling program. Um, existentialism is, is the um, philosophy around what's called Dasein, being. And it's about being here, being present, being here, being present in between two magnificent moments in, in, in your life A, the day you're born, and B, the you die and they are the two existential givens, the certainties in life. A, that you were born. You can have all sorts of philosophical discussions around whether you are here and what sort of person, but A, you were born and B, you're going to die. And, and the reason that's important apart because it does, none of it has to be but that by being here you're confronted with a, a question what is this life going to be? what what, what is it about? Yeah. And you have to to answer you have to answer that question. No if, buts or maybes and you are thrown into this world this world that you haven't created that other people created before you that other people created before you that are no longer here but you are with other people who are in this world who haven't created but are trying to maintain it for their own benefit as well as for other people. And so that juxtaposition of, of being here and then working out what this being here is going to mean for you in the here and now is a struggle that we all have until the day that we die. And that is another incredible moment. The fact is that we are aware we are going to die. You know, we do all of these magnificent, phenomenal things. We create things. We love people. relate with people. We, we have a, a cold and we go and get ill. But all these things are, gonna, are not going to stop the reality. You are going to die. And so I'm studying, so what does it mean to be? What what does it mean to, to be here? And how can I make the most of my life and be responsible for the things that happen in my life? And so that's the essence of the program that I'm doing, and. I'm doing the psychotherapy sort of coaching counselling thing really for myself because I want to be able to help and manage myself but then I live in a world of other people who've also got questions so I want to be able to skillfully support people in their investigation and self-discovery
1: where does that voracious thirst for knowledge come from? Um, one thing you've never done is put your feet up I mean you just no, 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 no I'm 60 you, now but there's no way you, you, you know. just go from strength to strength I just wonder where do you get that from?
2: I mean, I, I mean, I, I love life. There is a vitality and energy within me. Um, I know it's not a dress rehearsal. I know that word's said so many times, but I know it's not not dress rehearsal. I've been very, very fortunate. Life has been phenomenal to me. Uh, I, you know, I've had a great experience. Again, I know this doesn't have to be... I know, when I, you know, when I look through history, and I look at black people in history, and we're, in the room that we've, we're in now, you can see some phenomenal pictures of the black journey, African journey from their continent of Africa to, to Europe and, and, and it certainly wasn't easy and I know that as a black man I'm very very fortunate, I'm living in a, in a time in life where you know, diversity, equality, um, opportunity is open to all and I know, you know, someone listening to this will go, oh, I could be CC, you've lost a plot, son. You don't know what it's like to be living in London N9 at this time. And, well, I do, because I'm brought up in London N9, um, but I was brought up in London N9 when, to your face, people call you all sorts of names and stuff and you and you had no sort of recourse to do to, 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 to it. Whereas I do believe now, you know, generally, the Caucasian, that we live amongst generally understands that black, white, we, we're all the same. You know, the colour of our skin doesn't talk about the content of our character. So there's an opportunities. In generally, of course you're always going to get bigots. Of course you're always going to get racist. Um, but also often, you're in the black community as well as the white community. Um, but we do have opportunities and, and, and I want to make the most of my opportunity. I'm here today. I'm gone tomorrow. I've got this energy and vitality inside me, I'm very, very curious, I know so much and yet I know so little, and every time I'm confronted with something, I want to know more, one day the light goes out of my eyes, but what i found is that that the quality of being here is enhanced when you ask questions, the world asks questions of you, it asks questions each and every day, the world asks questions of you. And so when I'm being asked a question, I want to ponder and think, and I and, and I want to take advantage of being a human being, not human doing, de- doing a human being. You know, my dogs are de- dead now, but my dogs they don't think. I mean, they, I don't, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean that, that, that people are out to lunch on that one. But when I say they don't think, they think in the here and now. They, act, they react to to stimulus in the here and now, but they don't think what I'm going to do next Tuesday they are not aware they're going to die unless they're immediately threatened in the here and now. Um, they're not aware of the opportunity that's going to happen next month or next year. I am. And that 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 ability to think about well, next week, next month, next year, affects my being in the here and now. And I love it. I just love it. Just <clears throat> I know how blessed I am to be in this world, to, to, to be alive, to be awake, to be sentient, to be consciously aware of my being, to to know that to, to know that as I sit in front of you, James, another human being who recognizes me, not not as could see, as, as another human being,
1: yeah,
2: and I communicate to James, and then James, he he takes it on. I'm I'm speaking to you the first second, hear, but but you take it on, and then, you think, mm. and then you ask me another question, which validates my design, It validates. Oh my gosh. I've communicated something, and now I'm getting another question. It's, 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 James, it's just phenomenal. I, I, and so I'm just in love with life.
1: Does, it, does this... Because when you've been motiva- a very successful motivational speaker for a long time, has this enhanced the motivational speaker side of it? Does this give you another string to that particular bow as oh, well?
2: Oh, yeah, fabulous, yeah. So yes and no. Um, I'm a corporate motivational speaker... And the, the brand that's out there is that energetic, pump it up, check it out, person full of vitality that has got a track record, excuse the pun, that's got a track record of excellence, yeah, and teamwork. And so I'm employed to bring the energy, to bring that vitality, to bring that humour around key aspects of teamwork, peak performance, embracing change, creativity, innovation. And so I'm there to bolster the story that the conference owner really, really wants. However, without a doubt, within my story, I will have a 10-minute pastiche where I will say around Dreaming Big, the life you lead, the lessons you learn, the legacy you leave. And although I'm speaking professionally, also personally. And then I'll get into the idea, born, die. What's your life going to stand for? Because you're here today and you're going to mow. You're here today and you're going to from this organisation and for life. What is it going to stand for? And I just want the delicate and the pew to understand, yes... You've committed yourself, contracted yourself to that organisation and there is a quid quo quo in that organisation and they pay you and you deliver X, great, I want the best of you there, however, there's more to life than there. What's this whole penelope of your life going to stand for? What are the things that you're affecting in life? And so yeah, it does come into it because it's part of my human being, it's, it's, it's part of my eigenly my 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 selfness is part of who i am
1: now, given what happened to you know we've talked about it before given what happened to you as a, as an infant some people would have used that as an excuse well i, I won't be able to achieve anything because i went through this mm. for you it was your i'm, I'm gonna cry no, it really was your it was your superpower wasn't it you yeah. actually used that uh, yeah. as your fine
2: yeah yeah i mean the thing is james look and there's a saying that goes it's not what happens to you in life that matters; it's what you make of what happens to you that counts. Now, I, I, I cannot—I'm going to contradict myself—but I cannot claim any anything special about myself. It's just my makeup. These series of things happen to me: born in the UK from Nigerian parents, they go back to Nigeria. I'm left with foster parents. Money dries up. There's a civil war over there. I find myself in a children's home, and I get to 12, and I've got to decide. Your mum's not coming, you've got to get on with it, son. Now, what I now realise is that life, your decisions define your destiny. And I realised that decision, that you've got to get on with it, son, yep. was a massive decision that I took very, very glibly at 12. I just said, you, you've got to get on with it, son what sort of person are you going to be? And my mother and father had inculcated in me that I was supposed to be a, a doctor, an engineer, I was supposed to be hardworking, I studied really hard at that of moment. I just mentioned that, if you can't be careful me, there are they're issues, then I'm going to take care of myself. And I decided to be a clown. And I wanted to live life and be happy and blah, blah, blah. And I got on with that, got on with people. And then I joined the army. Another massive decision. That six and a half I'm going to get kicked out of the children's home. And there's no science behind it. You're going to get it children's home. You're immature. Ten sheets to the wind. You, you, I know you can't take care of yourself. If you, you're going to end up like, you know, being a, a mechanical engineer, doing the lathe. Join the army. Sage your security, place to belong, roof over your head, three square meals a day. Yeah, no brainer. And it was no science behind it. Decision. Decisions define your destiny meet Sight McKenzie Sight McKenzie athletics officer he gets involved in my life he sees me not going home at the weekends what's going on he finds out I'm from a children's home he notices that I've got a bit of talent he starts um, uh, uh, training me you know, he used to be an, uh, an army athlete you've got some you, you, you've got what it takes I can see potential he invests in me at the end of the year I'm the army junior champion all of a sudden I, deci- I decide to follow Sight McKenzie no science behind it I just, like Sam McKenzie, he's given me validation. He's put my name up in models. And I'm feeling good about myself. Boom. I don't know if I you're going to be an Olympian. I don't know it. I don't know that. Another decision. I'm running, army champion. And Mike Smith, who, who coaches Todd Bennett, Donna Murray, these are great athletes yeah. of, their, of their time. He comes to the army stadium and he gives he gives a symposium about four hundred meter running. That's the event I'm doing. I listen to him. And I say, oh, can I come and join you? He's heard it a thousand times before. Kids who want to come join. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're at Berseldon on Thursdays. Where's Berseldon? He doesn't think I'm going to say Because this happens all the time. The amount of times I've been asked by people to give them advice about speaking. And I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on the internet. Uh, call Jane. I'll give you that my time. No one ever calls. Sure. They don't do it, right? Yeah. So he goes, yeah, yeah. We're at Berseldon on a Thursday. Me? I make a decision. I'm going to Burzard on the get a Thursday. I go to Burzard on a Thursday. I see my, Mike sees me. Decision. I go from there, international, world class, and the rest of the state's history. So life is about your decision making. But I can't say that I've sat down and I was rationalistic, left brain, logical, scientific. I just made decisions and they've turned out great. And I, I don't know. You know they turned out well. You know, I know what I want and I... Decide to go and get it. And then the world around me seems to coalesce and make things happen.
1: So what, what do you think that is? Is that, is that the invisible hand of fate? What, what is that that's guiding you there? Because in a parallel universe, you don't go to the army. Yeah. You know, you've, you've talked about some of the guys you were in care with. Yeah. And tragic things happen to them. Oh, gosh, yeah. So in another life, you, you tragically go down that path. What, yeah. What's happened there, do you think? Well, there,
2: there were 7.6 billion people in this world, by 2030, there'll be 9 billion people in this world, right?
1: You know, in
2: the year and now. Many, many billions have been before, many, many billions will be afterwards. Now, of those 7.6 billion people, we're all making decisions. Some go on to do great things, others go on to have either a mediocre life or a serious of challenges. So I'm just one story out of 7.6 billion. So that's the first thing I understand. So I'm just one story. And you happen to be speaking to me, James, because of your backstory.
1: Um, it's a little bit woo-woo. You, you're talking to the... You're singing to the choir on woo-woo, Tristan. <laughs> <laughs> if I could write the book on woo
2: But, you know, I, I, I mean... I do believe the essence of life is about energy. I, I'm not quite sure at the moment what happens at the end of life i don't know if i fall off the end of life into oblivion never to be seen again utter darkness you know and 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 this universe carries on but i never ever calculate i never ever see no light of my eyes again i never see i don't know or i don't know if i fall off the end of my life into a universal spirit yeah, you know that that lives on ad infinitum. I don't know if there is a regurgitation and, and reincarnation. I don't know. I don't need to know. All I need to know is I'm here, right here, and here now. That's all I need to know. But what I do know, James, is that there is a life force. There is a, there is an energy. There is a, a frequency. There is. There is something in the universe that you can tap into. And I only know that my experience. So this is not science. This is art. It's not left brain logical. This is right brain big picture. That that that, 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 that there is an art to my life, and the art to my life and being faithful to the calling as I become consciously aware of the energy and frequencies that are around me, and I say yes and amen, or I. Get in tune in step takes me forward, upwards, and onwards. If there is such thing as forward, upwards and onwards in the time frame continuum, yes, but in the in the eternity it's just now. So that we need to understand that that there's we live in a constructed world of a time frame continuum today, this week, this month, 20 2019, 2021. But actually, all of that is now. I just tune in and i and i answer the call that's in within me and so there is no other route that i could take cuz i'm tuned in there is no other, you know i'm just tuned in it's and it's and, I, and, I, and the dumb, i'm not a special being it's just my being
1: that you've managed to tune in
2: i've just ever since i little, I've just tuned in i've always been very very fortunate always been fortunate when we got you know one of my stories we got dumped on the train we well, asked yes, me and my junior brother and um, so, what age were you when that happened? Yeah, I was gonna say I was four or five, yeah. rising four, I was yeah. sort of rising five, my brother's three, and we were leaving Portsmouth, which is one of the, uh, the homes that we were in, foster homes that we were in. No, I'm telling Porky actually, this was 96, it was not 1966, so I was more than that, I was actually rising eight, my brother was six, and all I know is we was on the train, and my uncle jumped off the train and said don't worry there's somebody at the end of the train to pick us up and we both had a bar of chocolate and it was me and my brother on the train and I'm six, seven, eight, whatever it is and I've got to look after my brother now I I was a responsible boy I knew I had to look after my brother at that stage of my life I knew my responsibility to look after my brother but when when a train gets to the station I don't know what happens next I don't know what happens next I I, I just sit on the train and then they come on to clean the train, and there's two boys sitting on the train. And we come off the train, station where off the train, and they call Islington police. And now that station master that came on the train. I'm sorry to say this word. It doesn't have to be a station master. It could have been a paedophile. It could have been I'm, I'm really sorry to say that because not everyone's paedophile But it could have been it could have been a bad man. Anything could have happened. Anything could have Literally happened. Literally anything. Anything. Yeah. But it didn't. It was, the, it was the train cleaner who came on there, station master. He calls the police. The police come. Lovely lady comes and picks us up. They look, they ring around. Well, we've got two kids sitting at the train. What are we going to do? Is we go to the station. They find a home for us in Enfield. And so here we are, late at night, my brother and I, we've been driven in a police car out to Enfield. I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened. I, don't, I do not know How I didn't end up in the clutches, you know, I don't say there's lots, but many children who run away from home end up sleeping under bridges in London, in a sex trade in London, in drugs in London, in gangs in London, there's lots of things that could have happened to my brother and I. We were taken to Enfield into a a children's home and was taken care of, fed and watered I can't explain that. I, I can't explain how that happens, James. It happened. I'm one of those lucky, I'm a lucky bloke. And, you know, I, I wasn't scared. You know, I was just, just get on with it. Now, th- that wasn't a decision making on my behalf. That was the, the, the fickle hand of fate turned and smiled towards me and led me to a, a safe place. And you've got to understand that every now and again, yeah, there is a little bit of luck, or is it some. I don't know. I, you know, I don't want to. You know, if, you, if, if I'd done this interview, if I'd done this interview um, 1987 to 1997, I would have most definitely said, God, my Father, Jesus Christ, you know, I'd have really um, talked about the alpha and the Omega. You know, I'm, 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 I'm not there at the moment. Um, there's so many things that go on that's hard to explain for a loving God, and it might, it might be, and hopefully if there is a loving God. Then he'll understand why. So he's to be sceptical when you're a man, a human being on this world. Um, but yeah, I've been a very lucky boy.
1: What changed there after '97? Was it just life itself? You you started to yeah. Well, my, my granny who I talked about towards the end. She'd been a Christian her whole life, yeah. and I think towards the end she started to ask questions yeah yeah,
2: and you know what I think that um, if you're not asking questions there's something wrong Yeah, and I know the Bible says my ways are not your ways but I suspect that if there was such things as a God he'd want you to ask questions and I also think that if there was such things as a God he she it would would look at your life and understand why you've got to the conclusion where you're at and I'd find it very hard to think that a loving God would create a human being only to, for that human being to stumble and fall, and then send it out to after of darkness, boom, boom, fire and brimstone and be laughing with all his mates, saying, look at, that, look at that stupid idiot that I created that got it all wrong, and now it's fine. Let's start the fire a little bit more. It just doesn't make sense. So, so basically what happened to me was that, um, you know, I was really committed to my faith, and I was I was right wing, conservative, fundamentalist, Bible believing, inerrant word of God, Christian. You mean you, you born again? You know, I was on fire in 87, had a living, and I can't deny the experience, I had a living, visual experience in 87 where I knew that God had entered my heart. But then people who were Christians, we're saying, "Oh Chris, you're you, you, you're too fervent, you're too zealous," you know. And you know, I'm not I'm not proud of some of the things I would I would have said back then. You know, I couldn't I couldn't say now. I'm, I'm very I'm very aware of Liam, Liam Nielsen. Liam Nielsen said something that happened to him in 19, 1988, and he got absolutely slaughtered. You know, for, for saying, "Hey, let me show you what a prized banana I was in 1988." Look what happened to me in 1988. I actually it, so Look what happened in 1998. And then and then. 2019, he's been crucified. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm really, really aware you've got to be careful, you can't say stuff. But I know that a person in 1998, some of the things that I thought were just beyond the power. But that was where I was. But then, when you know, but then Christians are, well, you you can't say that, or you can't believe that. Well, if I can't say that, I can't believe that, and that's in the Bible. And there's all sorts of stuff that I don't need to repeat, it's in the Bible. You just go to the Bible, and yeah. see. There's all sorts of stuff in the Bible that you that, that don't fit in a egalitarian, multicultural, um, sentient mitfeldt in society. Then, well, then if you can't believe that, you can't believe that, you know, then after a while, you just well, then anything goes, really. Yeah, so basically, what you're saying is. Yeah, that's the Bible, and there's all stuff in it. But actually, take out of it what you do like and what you don't like. So, for example, here's one. I love Frederick Nietzsche. And Frederick Nietzsche was brilliant. He says this. This is in... um in Genealogy of Morals. I think it's Genealogy of Morals, or Twilight of the Idols, one of those two books. He goes, um, one of the Christian injunctions is that if your, if your eye offends you, pluck it out, he says. He said, now, fortunately... There are not many Christians that believe that. I've always seen a lot of blind people. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just giving a lick right there. <laughs> <laughs> he's giving a lick right there. And then, yeah, now, 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 if you don't pluck out your eye, because your eye is always going to offend you. You're always going to see something. You're going to lust for something, want something, blah, blah, blah. But Christians don't pluck out their eyes. Now, if you don't pluck out your eyes, then if you're not faithful in that, it doesn't matter what else you're faithful That's in. That's right. So, so it's, it's just understanding. Okay. So you know what? Okay, I get it. If you're there, if you if you are there, God, I'm going to live my life. I'm my life as I see fit, according to what happens to me. If you're there, then I I, I would expect you to be faithful to your commandment. Um, I will never 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 leave you and forsake you, as far as north is from uh, east, from the west. I'm always great. And if you. If you actually do deny me, then you weren't true to your word, so you should be on the fire with me. Sure. So, 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 so it's just that, it's just that, in 1997, my mother died, and then I knew there's no coming back, because I, I, I was never ever really able to forge a relationship with my mother, and really my whole life is a polemic against my mother, because, you, you know, at 12 when I realised I had to get on with it, I knew I had to get on with it, but there was still something in me that I would love my mother to come back, and when my mother did come back, she wasn't the mother of my dreams. She was this African mum who wanted money and wanted me to do things for her without any desire to, you know, mend the relationship, be there for the relationship. And so I didn't, I didn't engage with her as she wanted to engage with me, uh, and she didn't engage with me as so I wanted her to engage with me. So we never engaged with each other. And then when she died, I thought, I realised, oh. Because the thing is, you can make decisions when people are alive, but then they die. And when they're dead, they are D E A D no longer here. And there's no reparation. And that was the final straw that I said, okay, well, you know, I don't know what that's about. So and so that just led me on to my own life and get get on with it, just get on with it. And don't worry about God. Because if there's one, then he'll take care of you. And if he's not and if he doesn't take care of me, then I'm gonna be with a lot of good people.
1: And your one thing that defines you is your your spirit um and you can be an atheist, you can be a believer, you can be anything, when I say spirit, I mean yeah. there is a unique akabusi spirit, you had it as an athlete, you you, you still have it now. When did you realise that you were becoming an, a national treasure James? No, I know that works yeah, up, yeah. I know,
0: <laughs> I know that won't sit
1: comfortably with you. But no, I'd say I'd yeah, say yeah. so eighty four, yeah. obviously Los Angeles, I know that was you know, you still carry that medal around with you today, don't you? Oh, yeah. But then, but then after... The morning shows, I'm going to leave it's my, my classic store. But then after 84, by, say, 87, 88, now you're becoming this people's champion. Mm. And then into 91, yeah, the icon is, is cemented.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, 1991... I mean, in fact, James, I probably wouldn't be sitting in front of you today if I hadn't been part of the really team in 1991. 1991 is a bona fide a piece of British... Um, sporting history, whenever they play top 50 moments or in the 20th century or iconic moments in, in sport, before uh, the 4 x comes out. So that has definitely indelibly, indelibly inked me into British sporting history. I suspect, you know, at the turn of the next century, when I talk about 20th century, they'll bring that out. But I don't see myself as... Um, this beach treasure, what do you think? National treasure. National treasure, yeah. I, I, and, uh, I, I'm always amazed. I am always amazed that people like you, James, uh, you know, who um, were enamored of my sporting career and no detail and what. I am always amazed. I'm not so much amazed now in the UK. You know, I, I've got used to the fact that if I walk down the street, if I go into London or go into down. Somebody somewhere is gonna recognise me. And so much so that I don't even recognise that I've been recognised anymore. My children, or you know, people who refuse to go to me, you, you, you'd you would you would see it, I don't see it anymore. I do see it when I go abroad, and that blows my tiny little socks off. <laughs> I, 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 I I I I can't believe it. I can be I can be I can be in Portugal, I can be in Lisbon, I can be in a mall or, or, or on the beach in Cascais or playing golf, and someone goes, mate, oh mate! A Wuga. I didn't say wooga, mate, like, yeah that man, yeah, yeah And I think how does it happen? How does it happen? How does that happen? You know, I, I honestly you know because you know, you know, I I mean obviously we've got some real big hitters, you know, big superstars and stuff. I, I don't and I'm, and I'm, I'm not in that, I'm not in that I recognise you know that my time's gone you know I don't get invited to all the big stuff I'm not A, B, C, D, E I'm off the list celebrity I'm not off the list forget it I'm, but I don't care because 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 my validation is not no because I'm a celebrity my validation is, is because I, I live and breathe and I have my being that's what gives me validation and in fact sometimes being Chris Akabusi, the celebrity can get in the way of my design. But yeah, I do recognise that 1991 was a massive moment and, you know, the name Akabusi has been etched in British history because of 1991. And then, of course, you know, my energy, my enthusiasm, you know, all that stuff, it's it's, it's a brand, you, you know, sorry to use that sort of language, but it's become a brand because I'm known for it and some people love that brand and some people go, oh, no, not again. Twitch him off. Great, and that's the way life is.
1: What's fascinating, though, is that I, I love the Akabusi of the 80s and 90s, but the little bit I've got to know you, the, the wonderful thing about um, having a hero and getting to know them is that the Akabusi now, today, is the guy who's the yeah. guy I love, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not... Stuck uh, in the past. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And, and the thing is, you've you got to know me, James. A lot of people are. So... Sure. Yep. You know, a lot of people will will we'll, we'll stick me in my Christian past stick me in my sporting past um, stick me in my record breakers past and they're missing out well their image of me is stuck very much 20, 30 years ago 40 years ago and so if you do something that contradicts their image of you yeah. what's up with him? <laughs> yeah. and they probably look at him what, yeah. what, what you know mm, no oh, I love Muhammad Ali Mohammed Ali said, "The man who thinks at fifty the way he did at twenty wasted thirty years, and their thinking yeah. is a waste of thirty years. That's right. If they don't understand that they've grown, I mean, I do. I do so have so I grown? I love doing this. When I go to some corporate conference and when, when I when I run workshops, I run I run a workshop, and I might play the race nineteen ninety one, or before I get to the race, I'll say, oh, you know, the, the the person introduced me said, 'Sorry, Abercrombie.' Blah 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 blah. 1991. one." And I will ask a question: What were you doing in 1991 or there thereabouts? To all these guys who are running businesses, etc., etc. And invariably, I will get either I was just graduating from college. Some was was just going to the junior school. Some I've got my first man in the position. And then I will say, and I'll get more talking about each other but when they talk about what. And I say, and then what are you doing now? And the idea I want is for that person who was seven and just going into the junior school to understand that now they are 37. If I was to pigeonhole them as a seven year old, it will be a little bit wrong, right? So when you think, was Akabusi doing this strategy, st- strategy exercise? You know, it's because, actually, I've not gone on my... I've, I've audited the MBA programme, and actually, I'm a new existential yeah. coach, here. And sure. it's because I've actually learnt something in 30 years. I'm not that kid who ran around the track jumping up to work wood, you know, 30 years ago. If you can change, I can
1: change also. May I ask a question about 91? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I... I I th- I, I'm i sure I watched that race live. I know it was Tokyo, mm-hmm. but I'm sure I, wa- I watched it live. How old are you, James? I'm 40. 41 in June. Okay, yeah, sure, you might, you might have done it. You'd a young man, you'd in seven or eight, yeah. Yeah. Well, but I mean, because the detail I have, because as I say, I've, I've said this to Regis, the fact that I can remember the Eggs and Baker appearance off the back of it. So, Because for a while, the four of you were the four, I mean, you were the... The boys weren't you yeah, for, yeah, for, yeah, for a yeah. while there. What, yeah, yeah. What, what was that like? Because because I know you'd been you'd been popular and beloved before then, but then to come back to Britain, yeah, several rungs up up this yeah. this laddering yeah, people's minds. Idea, yeah. How do you get how do you get your head around that?
2: Well, again, you see see athletes, athletes really just get on with what, what they are doing. So you, so you don't really think about those sort of things. I'm an athlete. I'm running. My head's already thinking about the Olympic Games, and I'm just enjoying the limelight. Because yeah, you're right. You know, you're, you're on you're on Wogan, you're on Jonathan Ross, you, you know, you're on Eggs and Bacon, you're on um, all the Saturday morning shows. You, you know, you, you're just you just being taken to all your know, ITV, BBC, all the different shows. There wasn't so much um, Sky wasn't in now. If Sky came in the following year, United so I think. Um, So you're just doing you're just doing all the shows, and you you know. Be just enjoying it. You just you don't really, you don't really thinking. Oh, that this is special. let me try and think. What am I trying to say here? I you it, to... It, grow, it grows on you. You, you. you become who you are. And sure. So, so okay. You, so it, yeah. it, it just grows on you. You don't you don't realise. You know. I now know now that I'm not on all those shows. You know. You now know. Oh, you must be something special then. Because now now I mean I, I don't know anybody. I don't watch TV a lot, but if I see a, a, a Graham Norton, and I see four people on there, and I might recognise one, and one of them could be, uh, um, I'm trying to think of somebody that's famous now. Oh no, um, Cumberbatch. Sure, I was thinking of him as you said. <laughs> so, oh. so I could see Cumberbatch. Sure. Now, now I don't watch on TV, but I know Cumberbatch is a big, big name.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, 30 years ago, I could
2: have been on the couch with Cumberbatch.
1: Yeah.
2: Really? You could have been on the, on the council. And you'd have
1: been bossing it. That's the thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> whatever, you would have had a crack, would have
2: had a laugh. Yeah. So so, so now I recognise, oh my gosh, you must have been a celebrity back then. Because you, you, you don't get invited to Wogan in or
1: journals But, But then you're just doing it. But you're more comfortable. The Akabusi now is is... I'm not putting words in your mouth here. Well, I am. But you're, more, <laughs> you're a more comfortable, serene guy now than you were then, I I, yeah, yeah, I imagine. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, there was very much Akabusi doing. Mm-hmm. Very much focused on becoming, you know, winning. and.
1: So before you go on a show like that, are you mentally thinking, right, I need to, I need to be Akabusi? No,
2: no, 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 no. Akabusi turns up.
1: Right, okay.
2: Akabusi turns up. In, in, in fact, I mean, even now, yeah, this sort of more extrovert version of myself it's just there i don't have to do anything for him he just turns up you know um a guy called colin wilson's extension as well colin wilson um wrote the outsider uh, wrote the occult um he speaks about the ladder of and many many selves inside of us and might the extension the the, the 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 vivacious gregarious me is very much me just turns up goes out the door i mean i know i don't i know that's who people know. I don't have to think about it. He just turns up. But the more contemplative me is often inside these four walls a lot. Um, often sits on the planes, reads a lot. And that is very much me um, too. So, so, yeah, if all of a sudden you, it's, it's you know, the Wogan show or Jonathan Ross show, you turn up, the quiet reader, contemplator, doesn't turn up. No one wants to know what accuracy thinks about being a nothingness. Nobody wants to know what Akabusi thinks about uh, traversing the abyss. Who cares? I care. No, they want to see Akabusi. Well, my summation is they want to see Akabusi what I call the clown. Now for a very long time I had um, fell out in love with the clown because ugh, I thought more, there's more to me than that. And I just don't like that you know what? The clown's done a good job, and you know I've got to live in a beautiful home and I've got beautiful people in my life, and I know the clown's done a lot of that. So you got to accept it. It's just who you. Are. It's, it's 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 part of who you are. No one man, no one human being can be defined and put in a box. But we have those boxes, and that box out there sells. The the contemplative self wouldn't sell a bean. It's not. Comer- it's not commercially viable. The contemplative self allows me to really understand life, though. And so the contemplative self yes. is more valuable to me than the clown. But the clown is the person that makes stuff happen.
1: In terms of making stuff happen, did you... I've interviewed some people, and they've said that... Um, I interviewed Chris Hemsworth recently, the lad who plays Thor in the Avengers movies, and he said that when he was a teenager, it's not, not, not in an arrogant way, but he always had this belief that he would be this, this Hollywood actor. So the careers advisor would say, what are you going to do? And he'd say, I'm going to be a Hollywood actor. And the careers advisor would say, you know, ha-ha, very funny. <laughs> yeah. did, you have a, did you have a... Michael Caine has said something similar. Did, did you have a, an inherent belief that everything would work out well?
2: Oh, definitely. Belief, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I've, I've always had a belief that love will work out well for me. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. When I was a little boy, my dad... He used to tell me, this is going to sound awful, but that you're somebody special. When he said that I was somebody special, he was saying in the context of the family at Kabusi, because my father was the chief of the village, and his father's the chief of the village, and, and the first sons are the chiefs of the villages. So in that context, when I was growing up with my father, I knew my father for four or five years, my head impregnated to me that you're somebody special that that you've you you got when I want to say special significant that's it you've got significance you're significant now it was in his world in the village in our surroundings in our family this child was significant however even though I lose specific specifics generally I feel significant yeah. feel special feel that Things are going to work out for me. And so I think that that's gone into the rest of my life. And we've all got, we all have a general anxiety in life because we know at any one moment we can really, really die. And, I, you know, so right. th- so there's always a general anxiety mm. because because I'm one man of, amongst 7.6 billion and, and, and any number of those 7, 6, 7.6 billion can turn against me. And I'm brown bread. I'm, I'm dead. Mm. You know, if, if you know, if, if, if this village here decides let's hunt Akabusi, yep, I'm, brown bread. Mm-hmm. So, so there was always a general anxiety that, um, that, that, that things are not going to work out for you. But in essence, mm. deep down, my father inculcated in me a sense of specialness and significance, and that believing into that higher frequency, I think. Has paved the way for me, so I couldn't have told you what I was going to be. I couldn't have told you I was, I was going to be a clown. I was going to be well. I wasn't. I wanted, I wanted to play for West Ham. And scored a goal. Look cup final. I never did that. But then again, we don't make many cup finals. <laughs> <laughs> so it's boom boom. <laughs> uh, um, but you know, my life has been special. But then again, all our lives are special. But my, I look through the lens of my life, and I think, wow, what a ride.
1: I look through the lens of your life and think, wow. <laughs> and, I, and I have done since the mid-80s. <laughs> so do you, do you think, should all, should all parents or grandparents, whatever it might be, should they be... And it has to come from an organic place, They have to believe it. Should, should more parents be saying to their children or grandchildren that they are, they are, that yeah. They are special?
2: I, I, yeah, I, I definitely am of the school that believes you need to find your children doing things right. Yes, you need to look at what they are good at, not what they're bad at. You need to support, you need to support their strengths and not their weaknesses. You need to turn their face to what I call their life wedge, the thing that's going to make something for them. Because once you do that and you encourage them, what begins to happen is, as they walk down that path and begin to talk about that path and they learn about stuff on that path they meet other people who are on the same path that don't have their skill sets. But then they, 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 they create stuff and then they go and deliver their path. They go and deliver in their arena. So rather than saying that, but you're rubbish at maths, you're great at English. Yeah. Oh, you've got a scientific brain. Yeah. You ask brilliant questions. I mean, I've got a little boy of 11 and if he asks me a question that I don't know, so I always answer his questions. Unless I don't know the answer.
1: Yeah. And I
2: go, I go, wow, that's an amazing question, son. You know what? I'd never thought about that. You know, the old man doesn't think like that. You know, I think much more philosophically. Um, can you do some research and, and come back to me about that? I'd love to know about that. I really would. And then he gets so excited. It's outstanding. He runs off. He does it all. And then, Papa, look at this. And then he's teaching. And he's teaching the old man. He's teaching the old man. And he's, and he's hearing the old man hasn't got all the answers and that my answers are going to have to be right for me in the here and now now he's only 11 he's going to be 21 he's going to be 31 he's you know I, I don't want to put any, a load on him but whatever he becomes he's going to be better than his dad in that field and I want him to know that you have every, you've got to make something of your name a you've got to make something of your name a you've got Akabusi yep You've got to make something your name, Alanum. You've got to jump over your father and be right in your field. And so, yeah, you've got to encourage, catch him doing things right. Let him know you're on the right path, And that is your superpower. That's your life wedge. That's the thing that's going to make you um, an asset to the community in which you've been thrown into. Not a liability, but an asset.
1: So when did you, so the the quotes from Sergeant Mackenzie is we've got a flyer that was yeah we got a flyer that's the quote <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's like the shot that can be heard around the world yeah within the armed forces we've yeah. got we've got a flyer so how do you go from being the flyer I know you said that you 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 met the the guy Steve so, yeah but then how do you how do you then end up at Los Angeles and you're winning the silver right. in the in the relay
2: so that word you got a flyer is a real massive word because. That word, from his mouth, a figure of authority who I really looked up to, made me look into myself. What is it that he sees in you that you don't see? And it made me live up to the billing. All of a sudden, I'm being called the army flyer. And so now I'm representing the army. Wherever I go, I'm representing the army. Southern counties, I'm representing the army. UK championships, I'm representing the army. And I'm the sort of person who really wants to do well for my queen and for my country, for my community, for my family. I want to be a good representative of society, of my what essentially we'd call our Mitveld and our umveld, with world and our surrounding world. And so I go from there. Really being excited about the fact that I've got the privilege of... Represent- and I'll tell you what's a scary place to be. Because when you go to the line, you can be a great representative, or you can let the family down. And that is, excuse the language, the sphincter moment. That is when you're giving it a bit, half a crown, a bit, half a crown. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I've been built up with the capability in that anxiety it's a positive. It brings the best out of me. Wow. All of my chemicals, you know, the the, the serotonin and the dolphins and adrenaline, it's all flowing in the right. And I become I, I, I become bigger than myself. I, yes. I, I, I deliver and I, I'm i just a, well, a, a, an animal that is focused on delivering. And so then I go to the UK Championships in 1983, having... Been the army champion, Commonwealth, uh, um champion and been been encouraged by Clarence Callender, who was an army under meeting me but also a GP athlete. Okay, where's really he going to have a go? But no, that's where the good guys go. Well, how will you know you're gonna be good if you don't go? And so I'll go to the UK champions very, very naively. I'll go there very, very naively. I've only run I've only run forty eight flat seconds for the four hundred, um, which if you was into it I mean it's four hundred county standard. Yep. I'll go to nine eighty only go win it. You know, I go there, I'm representing the army, I'm a compound service champion, I'm a 48 flat runner, I run against all the best guys of the era, 1983, Dickens, Slack, um, Steve Hurd, um, Phil Brown and, and Todd Bennett are not there, they didn't go to the UK champs, I go to Edinburgh, and that's what I just told you, the energy, the excitement, that you've got to represent all the endorphins, I only to go and win it, and Frank Dick, who was a national coach, says mate, he didn't call me mate because he, he was more serious than that he said laddie <laughs> laddie you're going to run in the um, GB versus USA versus Russia match next week and I said you're joking I don't joke laddie and I'm running and I, I, I went I think I came fourth or fifth I don't remember but the fact I got I won, my, I won my English vest and the end of that year I go to the world championships I run the first two heats and the, the heats and the semi-final in the 4x4 I get deselected for the final, they put in AZ Harriet. Um AZ Harriet. <laughs> they put AZ Bennett So AZ Harriet. And um but but then I make another decision. I'm never gonna be put outside like this again. Yep. I wanted to run that final. I understood why I didn't. It was not I wasn't in the top four in the country. But I wanted to. And so then I work extra hard the following year with Mike Smith, uh, who looked after Tom Bennett Tom Bennett at the time. And you know, it's a, you know top in, um, Mike Smith had this saying if you want to run fast, you've got to run fast. Now, it sounds a bit of a tautology, but what he meant, he used to beast us. He used to beast us up the hills, beast us on the shingle, beast us in the repetitions, you know. And uh, whereas I'd come from Germany, where it's much more technical, and that just took me to another level 46 10, 45 5, eventually around 44 9 for the flat. But even that wasn't good enough. And so uh, by, by the mid 80s, We've now got Roger Black, Derek Redmond. These two kids were amazing young kids who were running sub 45 seconds for the flat 400. And at that time, I was running 45 and a half. Hold
0: up.
2: and ugh, it's going to come back again decisions define your destiny yep it's 1985 it's 1985 I've got these two kids ahead of me i remember from 1983 I'd never wanted to be in a position again where I was going to be ejected from the team in the final and so in 1986 I only just got into the team through, uh, really I decided I'm gonna change events. I changed the 400 hurdles, and everyone's laughing at me. I'm 20 years of age now. Old dogs don't learn new tricks. I'm a wallowing rhino. Everyone's laughing at me. I could basically see what do you think you're doing. I've made this decision. I decided to get a guy called Mike Whittenham. He's a 400 hurdler. He trains me throughout the winter. I go to the USA I meet Ed Moses. We train with Ed Moses. And at the end of that year, 1987, I'm number one in the UK. Um, I've made the um, World Championships final in 1987 in the 400 flat, uh, 400 hurdle, sorry, in the 400 hurdles. And it was just a decision, a naive decision that everyone thought I was bonkers, but I knew I had to make. It's just another one of those things. I, I don't know where it came from. Well, I do. I, the, the, the element of science in that was at a time I was running 45-5 for the flat 400. And what I'd been told is that a four-second differential, a, a, so someone who could sort of basically hurdle but was a bird bad, had, bad a bad a a four-second differential well if I had a four-second di- differential forty nine five was better than Max Robertson Martin Briggs Martin Gillingham these are all kids who run front they're running 400 hurdles and they're struggling to run 50 so you're telling me that if I change events I've got a guaranteed birth as I've wanted with the hurdler yeah sounds good to me I'm having some of that yeah and it was as simple as that. Yeah. You know, I, I've not heard it before in my life. I had no no reason to believe that you could hurdle. It's just a decision, okay? So it's an opportunity. You are telling me if I can be a bad hurdler, I could be the best in the country, or at least get one of the three berths. I'm having some of that, and I do. And I, 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 and I mean, it sounds like I'm boasting now. No, no, no. But 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 I just I just dedicate myself to it. And I, and I, and I keep myself, keep, commit myself to it. And when I want to fall over. People say, mate, go back to, you should go back to running the flat. I'm a hurdler. And we work on it. And at the end of the year, I'm number one in the UK. And I've made the world championship final. And that took me on a path to being a proper athlete sure. as an individual. And then the rest, of the, well, from 87 to 92, I just climbed the rankings and become number three in the world, number one in Europe. I broke a British record in 1990. I still hold a British record today and it was one of the best decisions I made because it, 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 and, all of, and all of because Simon McKenzie said I'm a flyer, I see your potential and that just grew in me it just grew in me I tell you what words are magical if someone drops a word into you in season it grows, it is magical um, the, there's a saying it's a biblical saying as a man thinks, so shall he be As a man thinks, so shall he be. And it's the words that people drop into you that develop your thinking. And that was it. This is what's important, you know, to drop the right word in season into your child, into your loved one, into people who you want to become significant because you are creating a thinking human being who's going to become.
1: I Once interviewed uh, Jeff Bridges, the Oscar-winning actor, Mm -hmm. he told me this story in terms of the power of words. So I said to him I said uh, cuz he he is the dude from the big Lebowski, that's what he's like. Mm. I said what's the secret you know you seem to have life by the tail, you know you're this mm. laid back guy. He said he was a child star on sea uh, was it sea hunt sea quest with his dad okay. the one set on the beach back in the 60s is he's a, he's a young boy every morning before he leaves for set his mum... so he's leaving for set every single every single day from being a young boy his mum would stop him on the doorstep every morning and would say, look him in the eyes, she'd crouch down, mm. remember, have fun and enjoy yourself. And that every day was indoctrinated yeah, into him. Yeah, absolutely. People absolutely. don't realise the power of words. Oh, it's
2: amazing. James, it's amazing because the boy cannot but have fun and enjoy himself. So imagine hearing that every day from being Yeah, He cannot but have fun and enjoy himself.
1: And that's, that's defined him as a, yeah, as a he, human and, being. Exactly,
2: exactly. <laughs> the corollary is this yeah if every day you say to your kid you're stupid ugh you're clumsy you're worthless you're useless you're never going to make something yourself don't be surprised if that kid grows up worthless useless clumsy and doesn't make something for themselves
1: it breaks your heart doesn't it yeah
2: power the power of words is just amazing I mean don't get me wrong I'm not saying give false praise it's really important that you don't because, because children you know if, 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 if your child does something and it's not very good then they've done something it's not very good you're like, no, you can do better than
1: that has to be authentic it has to be authentic, right? to be
2: authentic yeah. yeah that's why I said well, catch your kid doing something right Yeah. if you catch them doing something right so I'm assuming mum saw in Jeff this happy-go-lucky kid mate have fun enjoy your life but she's reiterated something that's actually in his nature.
1: Someone's holding the mirror up to yeah, him. Yeah, one hundred
2: percent. Holding the mirror up to him. Remember, this is who you this are. This is who you
1: are. You're a you're a happy guy. You're right?
2: a happy, lucky guy. You're always gonna, you're happy like this. You are. Yeah. You know, if mum said to him, if he was a happy like a youngster and said, "Remember, ten out of ten, avoids your face," oh, or 10 out of ten, you know, ten out of 10. and he struggles with maths or he's dyslexic or dyspraxic. The guy knows I can't do it. What happened to there? Okay, don't worry about that one. Ten out of ten. Ten yeah. out of ten. You, you
1: know, right. you've
2: got to validate who he, she is. But the word is magical.
1: Magical. In in sport, I know mean, we're both fo- well, we're both sports fans. Mm. But there'll be lots of footballers who've we've seen them play, they've had all the talent in the world, but for whatever reason in the big games it doesn't happen. Mm. With you, I can't think of anyone, or certainly not many people, in the history of sports, who um not overachieved because that's harsh, but for whatever reason, when it came to the big events, yeah. the yeah. way you turned up
2: yeah.
1: will live on in eternity.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. and 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 thought overship is not too harsh because because. From sheer ability... And you were late to the game, weren't you, yeah. really? It's not no, like, yeah, it's exactly. Not, I was like saying
1: someone the other day, it's not like you went to Loughborough and you are the latest in sports science or when you were 11 years old, you didn't have that yeah. great PE teacher putting their arm around you. Yeah, exactly. You, it, it was inspirationally unconventional.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I was late to the game. Uh, I wasn't the quickest, you know, my, my 100 metres is 10 6, if you want to be a real decent um 400 run out. you got to be around 10-2 10-3 two, my 200 meters was 21.4. 4 if you cut not 20.6 you're in trouble so I wasn't the quickest guy in the world but tell you what I did have that that was my superpower my body was phenomenal <laughs> <laughs> but my body was phenomenal I didn't break down I didn't break down that's right yes year on year yes. I just kept on training I didn't, right. I didn't break down so all the people around me were always breaking down I could train like a knock so I didn't break down and given with that layering that I, I can have all of this layering where you don't break down you train very hard and you don't break down and this i want to say this mental capacity but it's not so much mental capacity it's just this childlike faith childlike belief that it's going to be all right you're going to make it that the gods are going to smile on you it's, it's just it's just childish but i believed it my body my body don't break down I really believe it's my time, and then one, and then you go to the line, and you are on fire, Sphincter moment, and I'm really, really, really scared. I'm, I'm, I'm terrified. I know this matters to the extent that there's no other chance. This matters. And that's it. You've you, you, you got all the tools of success because you, 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 you're a warrior. You're alive. You know I fought battles. I'm here by design. You know, you know, I'm representing my country. I'm representing the continent. You know, and so I don't know, it's just it just, it just happened because when it comes to the circuit, you know, the, the, the um golden league, I wasn't ever the best there. I'd come second there, come third here, I'd get beaten by all sorts of people because they weren't the majors, it didn't matter. That's right. But when it came to the world champs, the Olympics, the Europeans, Akabuzi steps up, he's on the podium, and I'd beat people who were beating me three weeks before at Nice, Lausanne, wherever it is, not at the champ, not not in the majors because of my. Thought processes, the the, the the mechanisms, and the fact my body was hard as nails. It didn't break down. Now that's that that's genetic. I, you know, I was born with that body. You know, I mean, even now I'm sixty and my body's still in great shape. You know, it's not got
1: very, nothing really wrong with me. You look ridiculous for sixty.
2: <laughs> well, you know, he's loved his life, but but yeah, you know, so, so so I've got you know I've got I'm lucky. I've got I've got I've got that body, but with the body needs you need to have the mind and I don't know where that's come from it's just it's just is what it is and i i am I'm, I'm childish i really believe in stuff you know you know kids you tell a kid something he really believes it and it's like me i really I, I know i really believe it i know I, I just i just i just i just really really believe it and then because i believe it and i'm in there at the moment of delivery i am so scared I deliver
1: so so in, in 91 i think that team has endured because in my mind, and I actually think I might be wrong. In my mind, you're four underdogs. Each, mm. each individually, you can argue. Like I mean, like Regis wasn't a 400 meter. Yeah, right. exactly. You can go through each one of you, mm. and so when you put the four of you together, you're underdogs. Obviously, you beat Petty Grew. Mm. if the listener doesn't know, he's the, the world okay. champion. Um, but are we wrong to think that you're the underdogs? Did you have more belief than that?
2: Um, so the, the American team, man for man, pound for pound, was better than our yeah. team. Yeah, um, but, but that can be a strength can also be a weakness because with them there's an expectation for them to win they'd always won the American would always won. it's their event it's their finale for us we wanted to win and we decided you know, to, to change the order and take responsibility for, take, for changing the order and when we'd gone to management to have the, cha- the change of the order, there was a sort of semi-intellectual discussion and we were told, no, we're going to run it the traditional way. And if I just asked, you know, in, in a real team, where's the best man your team run? You know, most most people said, well, where's the last leg? runs the uncle leg? Yeah. And Roger Black at that time was our best athlete. Yeah. But what we'd, what we'd recognised as we looked into history that, um, you know, by putting our best athlete last uh, uh, like all the rest of the world, we was always so far behind that by the third leg we were 50 meters behind, and we we're never going to beat the Americans with a 50 meter deficit. So we decided that what we we're going to do is put our quarter milers up front.
1: Yep.
2: And to be fair, you know, Roger and Derek could give any quarter miler, except for Michael Johnson, <laughs> but they could give any quarter miler other than Michael Johnson a good run for their money. So I don't want to give the impression that Roger and Derek were slouches. These guys were. Great athletes I mean, Roger at the time was European champion, and Derek was a bit of order. And
1: Roger, by the way, was people might not realise this—the nation's pinup.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Roger Pretty Boy Black. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Roger Pretty Boy Black. Everyone loved Roger. Roger <laughs> Bambi. Um, so, 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 so we did have. So, but by putting Roger on the first leg, if they, if if the, their first leg runner was not better than Roger, yeah, you, you know, so we knew that if Roger went on first leg, we would be in contention with Roger. Now, what we didn't know is that the guy on the second leg for America was a guy called Quincy Watts, who was the Olympic champion the following year. Nobody knew him. He's another college kid. In yep. America's just producing kids all the time. But fortunately for us, we put Derek Redmond, who was our British record order. Yeah, he was a British record order at the time. And uh, um, Derek, if you can remember, for those who... don't who, Derek Redmond was a guy, if you ever see, there's a picture of him in 1992 where he runs... Um, the 400 and the, his hamstring pops he's, sure. he's, he's one of the favourites for the event his hamstring pops his father comes in it's a very sort of poignant, dramatic traumatic moment where the father helps his son get across the line well he was a cracking quarter minor but quite clearly he's a British record holder so we knew with those first two guys we were going to be in the dance for me the best leg most important leg was John Regis John Regis a tournament runner doesn't run 400s, he'd broke, he, he, he it was a world record for the 300 actually, which is not, no slouch. But for John, John had to run under pressure and normally what happens, if you, if you tell a time to meet a runner, we're going to give you the big stick on the 400, BAM! They go eyeballs out, they fly down their back straight, they open up a massive gap, they go into the second turn and then all of a sudden, the monkey gets on the back, they catch a fridge, the legs start to wobble, eyes go all over the place and they just, crumble across the line and everybody goes flying past them and so John John listen mate listen John this is the script we're going to give you the stick on the jockstrap of the American and if you can't give Acapuzzi a 10 metre lead stay on the jockstrap of the American do you get that yeah no matter how good you feel no what's going through your head you stick on the jockstrap of the American unless you can give him a 10 metre lead do you get that John Boosie I heard you, son. All right. What did I say, John? (laughs) Mostly. That we love John. And John John says, you know, he knew we trusted him. That's really important. We all trusted John to get the message. We knew John was not a typical tournament runner. He was going to do the job. Oh, mate. I see Regis, mate. I see with those small ears, big nostrils, a massive chest. Pumping down the back straight. I'm looking at Regis, he's hanging onto the jock strap. Right the turn, he comes into the home straight. I see his eyes popping at me. Boosie, take this baton, mate. And I'm right on the jock strap of Empetigrew. Of, now, I've got to tell you, at that moment, I knew we were going to do it. As I'd watched Roger, watched Derek, watched John do their stuff, I could see the plan come to fruition. And I believed in the team, I believed in the plan, I believed in our strategy. I got the stick from John. I thought, mate, Regis, great job, mate. I stick onto Peticus backside and go around the first turn. And because of my adrenaline, I'm feeling I'm feeling amazing. I am absolutely massive. I'm feeling it's one of those times. Sometimes you know, you, you, time almost seems to slow down and stand still. And I, I can feel the crowd in the atmosphere. And I'm large as a lion. And I'm bearing down on Pettigrew. I don't think, Pettigrew, mate, you're jogging. Come on, son. Come on, son. They're going to start catching us up. There's a massive big screen. Look at the big screen. They are miles away. Okay, we're having a good one. Okay, so I hang on to his strap. I'm going into the second turn. I'm thinking, okay, hold your horses, hold your horses. I'm feeling, I've got no lactate whatsoever. I'm just, I'm, it, it feels like I am cheating. I come into the out of the second turn, I see the tape, and I just think, okay, make it move. I go past Pettigrew, I open up a little gap, and then all of a sudden, my whole world changes. And I go from this confident, inspired individual to being all of a sudden consciously aware. Oh my gosh. It's, 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 it's pedigree. Oh my gosh. I can hear him. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And, I, I, and all of a sudden, the whole weight of the race comes on my shoulders. No, that's Come on, come on, come on. And I just throw myself across the line. And in that last 30 metres, it would have been so easy to lose it because I'd gone from believing in us, believing in our strategy, believing what we were doing, to thinking about me, thinking about, it's down to you, son. No, it's not down to you. It's us. You just do it. You just you use it for fulfilling the plan. It was a great. It was a great moment. The crowds were going mad. The photographers were going mad. The, 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 we, the teams, were all going mad, except for, of course, the four individual Americans. It was just amazing. It was just one of those moments in life where, oh, I mean, you know, Derek jumps on top of me. Regis smashes me. Uh, uh, Roger. We kick their butts. He's walking about. We kick their butts. You know, he's 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 out of it. You know, he's like a middle class bourgeois intellectual. But he's gone mad. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone, he's gone all hoodie. And we we kick their butts. We kick their butts. You know, and we were four guys. I mean, what what a moment! But we were in the moment. We were in the moment. It was honestly. I wanted to kiss those boys. I. I you know, I, it was just amazing. And I guess I guess we could sense then that we had done something significant. You, you know. I mean, the, 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 all the, the photographers and the press are all over us. You've got the dejected the, 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 the Americans. Pettigrew's going like, what happened there? Andrew Velman, I like, I like Andrew Velman, but he was peed off. I don't know if I can say that on your podcast, but he was absolutely not having it. Quincy Watts, he's a young kid. There's always another day. But Pettigrew, Pettigrew was just, it's not supposed to happen. You can see him just—it's like, not supposed to happen. I feel for Pettigrew though, because Pettigrew didn't, if I say he didn't stand a chance, not because of how good I was, but because of the position he was put in. Because he was put in a position that Americans not normally are—he's got someone in his jock strap, he's a world champion, he's going off. And you see, once you go off, it's very hard to pick up speed. And I suspect that deep down he thought I can blow blow this guy away, but he didn't realize that I was in another zone. I was just—I was just cooking on gas I was you know and so by the time he realised my god I'm in a race it was too late you know He, you know you know the peloton effect down the back straight yeah. the reason I think I'm jogging because I'm in his leeway I'm getting I'm getting a co-efficiency drag factor he's actually towing me along I'm, you know it, it, you are actually it's like a training race you are actually jogging behind him and it was just like when when when, when quarter mileers do reps, and you've got three or four of you do reps. That's what happens. You, every now and, and somebody will take the lead, and the rest of you tuck in behind, yeah. And then you and then in the in you know, if you're doing three hundreds on like that, and then in the last hundred you come up and you blast past the guy. He sacrifices himself for that one, and then it's the next time. And that's how that's how you really build your muscle base because you know you, you get a toe effect. And so I just used him as a training effect. So when I come up to turn, it's just like training. Boom, boom. Okay, it's my turn. I'll, I'll lead next and then all of a sudden I said I, 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 you know, I nearly lost it but there you go it was a fantastic moment and that's why I'm here today
1: and of course one of the most iconic lines of commentary ever the moment I'm going I'm to go again <laughs> 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 and Akabusi has a go Yeah. <laughs> David Coleman so if, you, if you're a younger listener and you've never you may not have seen the event but get onto YouTube type in 4 by," on oh mine it autocompletes yeah <laughs> I'm gonna have to type in the number four. <laughs> typing four by four hundred ninety ninety one, and make sure you get the Coleman commentary. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you're you're in for uh, you're in for a yeah. treat. It's um, interesting if you listen to the
2: commentary as well. You can you can if you listen to the commentary, listen to Coleman, and you can see if from the beginning, um, he says um, he, there's, there's a picture of the stadium. Yeah. And there's a picture of Roger Black going to the blocks. Yep. And he says the World of athletics, and from that moment on, you can hear he's quite incredulous with the because Roger's supposed to be running last leg. And you can hear how incredulous he is. And then he, he talks about they've changed the order. And then he talks about giving Akabusi a chance. And then he, he talks about you know, whether we've, we've actually messed it up because all of a sudden we're not in the lead. Um, so bless David Coleman. But David Coleman was speaking the thoughts of the nation. If you listen to that commentary, you can hear how incredible it is for us to put Roger first. Derek second that's the two quarter miners 200 meter third and a 400 meter third last.
1: sure so he's thinking what are they doing what,
2: what are they doing here it is, it is, it is just incredible because don't forget yep there's three medals on offer we weren't expected to win the gold we are expected to get silver or yeah you look at that I mean we could come out of the medals and so if you listen to his commentary it is fantastic and that's why he goes yeah, and he's having to go. and Pedigree is beaten <laughs> It's because... That's oh right. Oh, my God!
1: And Pettigrew is beaten! It's like, oh, my gosh, they've done this thing! Because he's as shocked as <laughs> everybody He's as shocked as everybody else! And Pettigrew is beaten! <laughs> I, I wonder, I'll, I'll wrap up, because you've yeah. been so generous with your time, but, again, the, the younger listeners uh, won't realise that this is a time when... And we we touched on it before we recorded. When your average person in the street could easily name ten British athletes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. now you, you do well to name one or two, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But because the, the four of you were you were superstars, then, yeah, I saw, well,
2: I numbers, yeah. our uh, numbers? yeah. I mean, I can do the same with, with boxing. I mean, like now, I don't know any of the boxes. Very few of the boxers, unless they're really, really hyped. Um, but when I was a young kid back then, you, you know, because boxing and, and athletics was on BBC, ITV, you all the time. Um, yeah. So in my era. We went from Co Cram Ovet Thompson in the early 80s, um, David Bedford and Brendan, Brendan uh, Foster in the um, late 70s, to a plethora of household names Tessa. Christy, Tessa Sanderson, Tessa Fatima, Sessa, Fatima I mean- Linford Christy, Colin Jackson, Steve Backley. Um, well, okay, in the 100 metres, Christy, 200 metres. Um, Regis, 400 meters, Black and, and, and Redmond, 400 hurdles. Yours truly, 110. Jackson, 800. Mm-hmm. Co Cram over and a whole plethora. Of, 1500. Co Cram and a whole Peach plethora. Pete, yeah. uh, Peter Peter yeah. Elliott. Yeah. Uh, Tony Morrell. You know Tony Morrell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean right. you could go through. Yeah. Uh, Paul have You uh, <laughs> Polvo, you've got um Hooper um in the um, javelin. Oh, you got Backley. You've got, uh, you got you, Mick you, uh, I yeah. High jump, Jeff Parsons. Yeah, yeah, every single event we've got a British icon in track and field athletics. Triple jump, Jonathan Edwards. Of course, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Um, um, Keith Connor, Jonathan Edwards. Um, long jump. Oh, I was going to say long jump. could say Barrington Williams, but that's because I know him. He wasn't. Out. Oh yeah, Barrington Williams is a good. Do you champ. remember Bar- yeah, yeah. Barrington Williams? Uh, but I'm trying to think. He was a big, big name in long jump. We'll
1: why are we not why are we not I know you get asked this almost every day why are we not I know we had that you know the golden summer of 2012 but um, why are we not still churning out 10, 20 yeah. household names well the golden summer of
2: 2012 in Athletic was, was, was three guys and that's, that's um, right. Mo, Mo, Mo Jess. Jessica and um, Greg, Greg, Greg Rutherford, yeah. um, I think it's really quite simple really I think, I think that um, in the early 90s Premier League football came on show and there's a a lot a lot of athletes who are playing football sure um
1: because they're 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 seeing because i imagine i I don't mean this sound like a a personal question but you'd have you would have had more success financially as a motivational speaker and everything else than you ever earned as an athlete so if you're a young kid who happens to be Lightning quick. As a yeah. Palace fan, I'll say something like Wilfred Zaha. Yeah. The dude is quick. Yeah, exactly. But he knows that he can earn X million pounds. Oh, so he's, not, he's not even thinking about it. It's not even.
2: It's not even going to enter his head, no. is it? I mean, a, a great closing is um, um Theo Wilcock. Sure. There's no doubt in my mind, Theo Wilcock. If he had changed to, to sprinting, he would have made a British team, yeah. like uh, Adam Jamili. Gim- uh, he might. He might not made the Olympic final. He might have made the Olympic final, but he didn't run, he'd have run. He got on the plane though, wouldn't yeah, he? Yeah, he'd, he'd he'd have run you nine know, nine, 10-1 consistently. But he's playing football. Didn't make it Arsenal. Didn't make it Southampton. Didn't make well. Young at Southampton, didn't make it Arsenal. Got to Everton. Not really making it and Probably move on. But the guy's a multi-millionaire. Sure. Uh, let me think about it. <laughs> yeah. And I th- and I think in all of the leagues, you're going to have the flyers who are on the wings, either wing back, wingers, whatever, who could have been athletes. And also... It's oh, sad, isn't it? It is sad. Also, see, athletics, athletics doesn't get the same profiles he did back then. You know, we had a shop window. You know, back, as I said, I, I, when I was a kid growing up, you know, Brendan and Bedford and uh, in my event, in the front of me, there's... Jenkins, yeah, I saw them every Friday night of athletics. You saw them, yeah.
1: So you had the shop window. BBC One, like you say, every Friday it was it. it was Flip's Nights of Athletics. Prime time, yeah. Then you've got even even that like question of sport was on at prime time, yeah. So all a, your athletes are in that shop window. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. And you and, and 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 things that like question sport, you began to see the personalities that's behind right. the athletes. So on a Friday you'd see the athlete running, and then on the Saturday you'd see the athlete speaking. you know, again I say I'm not. Being self-deprecating, I wasn't the greatest athlete in the world. But what I had is I had a, a personality that you could uh, love or hate, and it doesn't really matter, you know. For TV, love him or hate him, you just watch him. Yeah, oh, I hate that guy. Oh, look at him. Look, look, look at that now. Can you believe it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're watching him. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's but looking. Oh, you don't even know that. But you're watching it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But look at the nutmeg. Do yeah.
1: you want to change the channel? No, 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 no. you
2: Exactly, exactly, exactly. I love it on social media when I get hammered. And I go, yeah, you said this, you said that. What are you? you don't know what you're talking about. I don't say anything, but I think, yeah, but you watched it, didn't you?
1: Yeah, to That's the not, end. You watched it <laughs> to the end. <laughs> yeah.
2: and, and then you you recorded it and you looked it over <laughs> again.
1: <laughs> Well, to, to wrap up, you, you you might know this, but when I got married, the, the one thing I, I was allowed to do, because my wife was correct, by the way, the one thing I was allowed to do was, was, <laughs> was name the tables at my wedding. So I was allowed to name the tables after my heroes. And so you may remember this, I tweeted at the time. There was an akabusi <laughs> table.
2: It's fantastic, James. And it's fantastic. So to be
1: sat at this beautiful table in your beautiful home, um, it means the world. And I'm amazed that I, I, I had to work hard to not... Cry more than I have done so. Yeah, but
2: James, you know, I I said you before, I, you know, James, when I first, I mean, I, I think I, I met you first through some sort of social media, and I thought you were winding me up. Yeah, it, it, I didn't, I didn't really realise, you know, um, and then I've then I've met you a couple of times, and been with you both a couple of times, and I realised, you know, that actually I was a significant part of your you and your grand's life, and I think that's the sort of thing that actually it's beautiful that I've got to understand is that for some people you're really part of their formative years. And it's actually a privilege that in your professional capacity, you've come and you've um, given me this opportunity to talk about what's on my heart, you know, what, the way I really, really think. And I've done it with such aplomb. And um, thank you very much for, for, for validating me as, as part of your journey. It's,
1: it's been fascinating. It's, it's been remarkable. I, I, my heart is filled with gratitude. May I ask, so anyone listening, if they, if they do want to book you for a, Motivational speech. Oh, be, yeah. What's the What's the best way to do that? So akabusi.com.
2: Akabusi.com for sure. I'm still. I'm on Twitter. Twitter. Chris Akabusi. K r i s s a k a b u s i. All one word. I'm on LinkedIn. Nze Chris Kezi Akabusi. I think it is, Nze Chris Akabusi. I'll come up anyway. Um. Oh one five two five two three seven one seven seven. Oh one five two five two three seven one seven seven. You can get my office that way. Uh, I would love to hear from you.
1: And you and I know this because a friend works in the corporate world. You are an incredibly successful motivational speaker. Yeah, I've, as well, I've, aren't I've,
2: you? I've, I've been speaking professionally, now on my feet since 1996. Um, wow. Yes, yeah, it's 1996. So and you don't you do wow. you do not get repeat business. and speak for that long unless you're doing something right. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very right. very passionate about what I deliver I'm energetic, I'm enthusiastic I've got lots of insights and I think that I would leave the delegates really seriously thinking about what it is they've got to achieve and how I would achieve it if I was them but also to think about the place in this world we're here today and we gone tomorrow let's make sure it's a good one
1: Thank you for making today a very special day. I'm, I'm much, really yeah. grateful. Thank you, much, Pleasure, Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> Bless you, Baba. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. Heartfelt thanks to Chris Akabusi. If you didn't think you could love him anymore, he he only went and gave me a lift back to the station. That might not sound like a big deal. It's flipping miles away from where he lives because he, he deliberately lives in the tranquility of the countryside. Oh man, what a guy. If you would like a bit of a laugh, the first time Chris and I properly met each other um, was working on a Harry Hill TV show, Harry Hill's Alien Fun Capsule. That's it on ITV in June. So if you go onto YouTube, there's a video of uh, Chris and me meeting properly. Type into YouTube, Chris Akabusi, Chris is S, James Gill, Harry Hill, and I will say no more. Yeah. So yeah, thank you again to Chris, you can drop us a line, podcast at balance.media. Podcast at balance.media. And sales is sales at balance.media. Sales at balance.media. Thanks again for everything, guys. If you've enjoyed it, please spread the word, tell your friends, share on all the socials at balanceLDN. If you're not enjoying it, just, you know, Keep it to yourself. Um, five-star reviews always totes Sapriche I can't believe I said that, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it again. Totes appreish. There, I doubled down. Uh, have a great week. I've been James Gill. Goodbye.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.